You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. As always, a lot to talk about. More abuse of the Constitution and the civil rights of Americans by the Pelosi Congress targeting Steve Bannon. I have some updates on the censorship attacks on yours truly and Judicial Watch. Plus, we have uh, important new documents regarding the CRT agenda in Loudoun County, Virginia. You've heard about that county, I'm sure, if you've been following this story. And then we also have a new lawsuit targeting the left's agenda on race in Asheville, North Carolina. So a lot going on, as always. First up, though, is the, uh, as I've warned, the attack on the civil rights of Americans using the January 6th incident as an excuse and a pretext. In this case, you have the Pelosi House with a uh, uniparty committee, meaning only one party is effectively represented. Yeah, I know Nancy Pelosi appointed two anti-Trump Republicans, but they are answerable to the Democrats. So there are no minority party representations or representatives on the alleged select committee. It's really um, a, a star chamber type proceeding that has been instituted by the Pelosi House. And sure enough, rather than investigate the lack of security uh, that uh, resulted in uh, uh, that, that disturbance, they are focusing on the First Amendment protected activities of uh, people close to Trump namely Stephen Bannon. There's no evidence he did anything wrong. He didn't riot. He didn't incite a riot. And they know that. So they're targeting him and they're targeting others over their protestations uh, regarding the 2020 election, all of which are protected by the First Amendment. And so they issued a subpoena uh, uh, against Bannon and, and um, I don't know, about nearly 20 others. But Bannon basically said, I've got executive privilege issues here, as uh, highlighted by the President, uh, President Trump in court filings and publicly, and other privileges that he has a right to uh, vindicate before he cooperates with the subpoena. So what was the response of the Pelosi House? Cackling. They threatened to throw him in jail. Almost immediately upon issuing the subpoena, they talked about putting him in jail. And anyone who opposed the subpoena should be put in jail, which, of course, that's not the way it works. The way it works is you issue a subpoena and you seek to enforce it. But the idea that you go immediately to criminal enforcement proceedings of a civil subpoena, uh, as issued by the House, presumably it's even valid, uh, is, is a wild abuse of power. But that's what Pelosi and company did. You know, compare and contrast this to, with the contempt uh, that uh, uh, Eric Holder was held in. Uh, he was the attorney general at the time by the Republican-controlled House. Democrats were outraged at that. But that came after, I think, a year and a half of wrangling with the Justice Department and Holder directly on um, documents about his potential lies to Congress. So they gave him every opportunity to negotiate himself his way out of this. But of course that was not done and they issued, I think it was unprecedented contempt citation against him. Of course the 
Obama Justice Department did nothing. That was fast and furious. So they were covering up the deaths of hundreds of Mexicans and other innocents as a result of their gun running operation down at the southern border. But I guess those scandals aren't important anymore. So compare and contrast that with Steve Bannon, who they were talking about throwing in jail even before the subpoena was issued. So they um, had the Star Chamber proceedings. Uh, again, no minority party representation. So Putin would be proud. Well, actually, they, they probably have, would, have, would have had minority party re representations in the Russian parliament if they were doing something like this. But uh, now on top of that, it's not about enforcing the rule of law with respect to Congress. It's about using January 6 as a pretext to do things that Congress isn't allowed to do, which is to investigate you for talking about stuff and engaging in First Amendment protected activities. So this is a direct assault on the First Amendment. And the First Amendment doesn't just protect your right to free speech. It protects your right to petition your government. Complain to Congress, for instance, about the way they're handling the election certifications. It also protects your right to association. You can associate with people and get together and talk politics and advocate for policies that you uh, want to see and put in place. And he's being targeted for those purposes and in retaliation for him being an effective, spo uh, uh, an effective spokesman and an effective leader for the causes he cares about. Now, truth be told, I, I consider Bannon a bit of a friend of mine. Bannon's worked with us at Judicial Watch. He did a great movie with us. If you haven't seen it, you should go and hunt it down. The movie, The District of Corruption. And uh, it's a great movie because it, it was done, I think it was done in 2012. And if you want to know where we were going or where we are going, you go watch that movie because we predicted it all and covered a lot of the Obama corruption scandals that they uh, want to bury now. So I know, I've known Bannon for a long time, uh, and I know he's being punished because he's Steve Bannon, not because he did anything wrong or he's doing anything inappropriate. So I don't know about you, but I stand with Steve Bannon. And certainly, we see what the so-called 1-6 Select Committee is about, which is about punishing the political opposition of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. And what Judicial Watch is doing is actually what a 1-6 committee would be doing if it was honestly being run and wasn't corruptly being run and abused to target uh, their political opposition. Uh, we are suing in federal court the Pelosi House for the 14,000 hours of videos about, again, the worst day in American history, but we can't get any videos from them. They say they're public, they're not even public records. And if they were, they're not important enough for the American people to see them. So they're, they're, they're lying when they talk about 1-6 because they pretend it's an important day for the purposes of targeting in a free speech of Americans like you and me and Steve Bannon and President Trump and everyone else who uh, rejects the liberal media narrative on the 2020 elections. But when it comes to being held accountable for what happened on 1-6, oh, it's not important. Judicial Watch sued to get records about what Nancy Pelosi was talking to General Milley about after 1-6 in terms of her and his, in my view, seditious uh, mutiny-like discussions about President Trump. 
was Judicial Watch that sued to get the documents that we now have confirming how um, improper was the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt. We talked about this last week on this, on this update. We found that the documents show there was no good reason to shoot Ashley Babbitt. She was unarmed. It looks like there were no warnings given. And uh, the officer involved, Lieutenant Byrd, panicked and uh, shot her. And uh, that investigation's been mishandled or that shooting's been treated quite differently, in my view, because she was a Trump supporter. The point is that we're in court about these issues. We have other documents about the one sex security issues in the city at that time that are going to be coming out soon. So we're doing all the heavy lifting that Congress, in theory, ought to be doing and actually fighting in federal court Nancy Pelosi to get the truth about January 6th. So I don't know what Bannon's going to do in terms of, um, because the Justice Department is corruptly run. You know, Garland is, uh, uh, is directing, in my view, the Justice Department to, and the FBI to target President Trump's political opposition. Many have commented on the uh, over-the-top uh, prosecutions of some of those who were caught up in the 1-6 uh, disturbances. I mean, we're not talking about people who uh, uh, physically assaulted police officers. We're talking about people who are in the Capitol, arguably were let in there by the police, quote, parading around, and they're being treated like terrorists. It's absurd. And having their comments and concerns about the election being used as justification to keep them in jail and put them in jail longer than they might otherwise be. So that's this Justice Department. So Bannon should be worried that the Justice Department's going to abuse him the way the Justice Department abused Donald Trump and Roger Stone and Carter Page and Michael Flynn and all the rest. And as you can see, they're targeting regular Americans with the targeting of parents uh, who oppose CRT. As was discussed this week with uh, Garland at these hearings, he's saying it wasn't a, they're not targeting First Amendment speech, but when you read the memo and recognize uh, how it came about, it's pretty clear what the goal was, to scare you and me and other honest Americans from raising questions about the racist communist CRT agenda. So that's today's Justice Department. And uh, so the attack on Steve Bannon is outrageous in and of itself, but it's a part of the endemic corruption and abuse of power by uh, the Biden administration and the deep state and Nancy Pelosi's House of Representatives to try to jail its political opposition. That's what's going on here. So we should all be worried. Well, next up, I want to give you an update on some of the uh, social media censorship Judicial Watch has been suffering through. Uh, YouTube, once again, deleted another one of our videos. I'm not quite sure why. We're trying to figure it out. Uh, but it talked about the elections, and uh, I know there's no good reason for that censorship to take place. So just so you know, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube and you're worried you might miss videos that might otherwise be there because of YouTube censorship, YouTube, of course, is owned by Google, uh, you can go to Rumble, you can go, which is also another video platform. You can go to our website, which has the videos as well, and we're on all the other alternative sites, such as uh, Parler and Getter, G-E-T-T-R, 
and, and uh, places like that. So uh, on top of that, I've been locked out of Twitter for 10 months. I had tweeted something about hydroxychloroquine, which was accurate, which I had treated, uh, tweeted repeatedly. And uh, Twitter had actually specifically told us it was okay. It told me. He said, they said, because someone had complained about the tweet, and they said uh, it's not in violation of the rules. Well, three months later, they told me it was. And they said, unless I took it down, I'd be locked out. And I've been locked out for 10 months. So long story short, I took it down, and I'm back on Twitter. So I'm not expecting to be back on Twitter forever because Twitter is out of control in large measure because of uh, the leftist censorship push. Uh, but I'm back there. And I think generally it's important to be on as many sites as you're able uh, to share the word. At least that's Judicial Watch's approach. But you should know, though, one of the, and I want to update you on this, is that one of the things the left has been saying is that these are private companies and they have a right to censor you because they're private companies. The First Amendment doesn't apply. Well, I don't believe that as a matter of law necessarily, but that's another matter. But we now know specifically that's not true. In the case of Judicial Watch, and I've reported on this before, we uncovered Freedom of Information Act documents showing the California Secretary of State's office got a video criticizing California's dirty voting rolls and other reasonable concerns we had raised. Because Judicial Watch is one of the country's leading election law groups. We're national experts on um, uh, elections, how they're run, and uh, election security and other issues. And they took our video down at the suggestion of the California Secretary of State. So there you've got a government conspiracy with YouTube, Google, to take our videos down. And that raises significant constitutional concerns and makes it a bit more, don't you think, than a private matter. Similarly, they were targeting these other web, uh, and others had videos and other things taken down on Twitter, on Facebook, and places like that. And it's not just Democrats. We were uh, in a, uh, the Iowa Republicans, uh, Iowa Republican Secretary of State's office, didn't like the fact we criticized Iowa's dirty voting rolls. And they suggested what we said was wrong. And of course it wasn't wrong. But they went and tried to get our material taken down. So this is about government suppression of speech and big tech acting as a vehicle for that suppression of speech. A lot of the COVID restrictions are the result of you, uh, excuse me, of, of, of the COVID uh, censorship is the result of you, of, of the people who are being targeted, saying things that are at odds with government narratives on COVID. And I don't, it doesn't matter what the topic is. But people have their views on COVID, they have their views on vaccine, vaccines, they have their views on masks and other things and prophylactic treatments and things like that. And my view is they have a right to say it. And there's no basis to take it down for a private entity to say the reason we're taking it down is because it contradicts government officials who often change their minds. Remember they said there's no gain-of-function research? Well, turns out there was, and it was funded by Fauci's agency. That's in the news again this week, thanks in large measure to Judicial Watch, uncovering the documents that showed the NIH and uh, Fauci's agency, the National Institutes for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, was lying. 
So this is a government censorship program or they're acting as avatars of the government. So I'm back on Twitter. Uh, Judicial Watch will be a bit more active on Twitter as well. But, you know, follow us wherever you see us. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on Getter. We're on Parler. I'm on Telegram. I'm on Substack. I'm on Twitter. Judicial Watch is on Twitter. We're all over. And you should be all over where you can as well within reason. So, you know, the censorship isn't going to stop us. We're going to stand strong against the censorship. And we're um, not going to stop telling the truth because to quote George Washington, uh, who I, I guess I'm still allowed to quote him, on, on, maybe, maybe I'll be deleted for quoting him, the truth will prevail where there is great pains taken to bring it to light. The truth will prevail. And the reason the left is censoring us online is because we're winning. Those of us who want to protect the Constitution, preserve the rule of law, and educate Americans, in the case of Judicial Watch, about what its government's up to, we're winning. And Twitter, outrageously, for instance, took the head of a national, uh, the, the nation's largest government watchdog group, internationally known. And I don't say that to toot our own horns, but it's a fact. And they took me down because I said something that's true when they previously said it has been true. So these are dangerous times we're living in for free, free speech and the First Amendment. So as I said, it hasn't slowed Judicial Watch down. We're continuing, continuing to expose uh, key issues uh, that the government wants to keep secret from you. And one of the, I guess, the worst kept secrets in the world is their CRT agenda. You've got it going on, the critical race theory. Now, the left pretends critical race theory is just something that's taught in law schools. Well, you know, that's so dishonest that I don't even, I'm not going to insult your intelligence but having to argue why it's dishonest. But we all know what it is. It's uh, repackaged Marxism using race as opposed to class to advance the communist agenda. And uh, it specifically is racist, it's anti-American, and uh, it's communist and revolutionary in its scope and its attitude. And it's bad enough when they're trying to impose it on our military, impose it on government officials and, and government employees, or corporations incorporating it into uh, its practices internally in terms of HR and forcing people to go through this racist propaganda um, brainwashing. But it's beyond belief that, and, and outrage, that uh, they're targeting our children. And they're lying about what they're doing. And Judicial Watch has the documents. And one of the counties, and it's this, this school district by school district fight, I think there are 14,000 school districts out there. And just because you live in, quote, a red state, it doesn't mean it ain't there already. Just because it's outlawed doesn't mean they're trying to rework words to make it seem like, well, we're not doing what's outlawed. So you always need to stand watch for your kids and your tax dollars. Accordingly, Loudoun County here in, uh, I shouldn't say here in Virginia because this is in the District of Columbia, Loudoun County, Virginia has been the center of the storm in the CRT controversies. And largely because uh, it's close to Washington, D.C., which has a lot of reporters, but also because the, the board out there has been really tenaciously or, or specifically dishonest in the way they've been handling it. 
trying to shut people out, trying to shut parents out, lying, dissembling. They have a, an extremist uh, transgender agenda out there, not only Loudoun County, but generally in Virginia. So uh, that's been a big focus. And you may recall that the National Association of School Boards sent a letter to, it looks like the White House and the Justice Department, that got Merrick Garland to start sicking the FBI on, on the parents or making it clear that the FBI would be watching what's going on at these school boards trying to scare people off. And one of the incidents they used was a parent who was, I think, arrested at one of the Loudoun County school boards meetings because he got outraged because they were lying about a sexual assault involving his daughter of a, a, a boy who allegedly was wearing a skirt, went into the bathroom and assaulted her or raped her. And they lied about that. And they were using his outrage as justification for the FBI to go after every parent, practically speaking, who's opposing this and exercising their God-given rights as Americans to go and voice their concerns about what their kids are being taught by public school teachers and public school officials who work for them to begin with. And the Judicial Watch has these documents from Loudoun County through the FOIA law in Virginia, the Virginia Freedom of Information Act. We got, I think, 3,000, let's see, yeah, 3,500 documents, pages of documents. And they show coordinated efforts to advance critical race theory initiatives in Loudoun County. And it shows that they were being dishonest about it. Minority School Achievement Advisory Committee, this is some of the stuff we uncovered. Minority Student Achievement Advisory Committee. Their chair writes to the former director of equity in the school system there that she tweeted, we will silence the opposition without realizing the firestorm, my words, uh, she tweeted, we will silence the opposition without realizing the firestorm my words would cause. My intention was and is to have the voices in support of equity and education be heard and supported. And I was actually thinking, hopefully, those voices will eventually ring louder and drown out those against equity. So this is what they're talking about behind the scenes, drowning out those against equity. And equity isn't what you may think it means. Again, I won't insult your intelligence, but the shorthand is equity means uh, that no matter what you bring to the table in terms of personal achievement or, uh, or talent, the outcomes must be equal. That's communism. It's communism. It's not equality where you all, everyone has an opportunity to achieve. Equity is government restrictions and making sure someone doesn't achieve too much. And if they do, they get pushed back. Again, this, uh, this Minority Student Achievement Advisory Committee chair writes uh, about a, um, a call to action and uh, trying to enlist the NAACP, uh, which is also pushing this radicalism, in taking steps against, quote, the false narratives of the opposition. As you are aware, there's a lot of negativity and false narratives being circulated in the community and news regarding equity within Loudoun County Public Schools. I think it's best not to not engage the opposition, but rather counter, counter them and drown out their hateful rhetoric. Again, drown them out. These are parents they're talking about, objecting to their kids being told they're racist because of the color of their skin. I 
On January 11, 2021, so just earlier this year, Loudoun County School Board member um, Atusa Reeser writes uh, the head of the, the superintendent of the schools, Mr. Ziegler, in an email about legislation moving forward in the Virginia legislature that required cultural competency for teachers' licenses. And this is what they write. This is the bill that's going to encompass one of our programs asked. It will be carried by someone outside Loudoun. So again, they, want some, they don't want their fingerprints on it and is more comprehensive. I believe it will encompass what we're asking for and I'm okay with the path forward. And the Ziegler response, this is the superintendent. That looks good once the bill's passed. It will be interesting to see how the training and rubrics are built and promulgated around the cultural competency requirement. Now, cultural competency, competency is another phrase the CRT people use to disguise what they're doing. That's where the real work starts. Now, I don't know about you. I, when they say cultural competency, that's divisive. They see America as being um, uh, sliced and diced into hundreds, if not thousands, of cultures. And, you know, and I think most parents want their children to be taught that, you know, about America and what binds us as opposed to what divides us. There's some more here that I think is really interesting. So one of the big things is that they try to say that it's not CRT, it's called, as I said, uh, the, again, they use these fake words, culturally responsive teaching. And this is how they describe culturally responsive teaching. And this is a professional development within the Loudoun County Public Schools. It asks employees to examine their own personal biases and how they might affect student instruction and interactions with the community. Concepts such as white supremacy and systemic racism are discussed during professional development. Loudoun County Public School, Schools has not adopted critical race theory as a framework for staff to adhere to. How anyone could write that sentence after just, they write that sentence right after they describe what cultural, excuse me, what uh, critical race theory is, and they say they're not teaching it, when in fact they are requiring teachers to go through it. As I said, dishonesty. They call it culturally responsive instruction, and in fact, they're describing critical race theory. It's what it's this one in the same. And it goes on and on and on, race equity, all sorts of things. And of course, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Because as I said, there are 14,000 school districts, more or less. I, I, I know, I'm hoping I'm right on that number, but there's a lot, right? And it shows these documents, they're obsessed with pushing this agenda. And it's not just in Loudoun, Virginia, Loudoun County, Virginia, it's in Massachusetts, it's, in all, it's all over. I mean, we had documents showing they were segregating students by race up in wealthy Massachusetts. A teaching program in, 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 um, in Rhode Island, a Rhode Island school district we just announced, we got the documents. They talked about, you focus, you should be focusing on collectivism rather than individualism. If that's not communism, what would be? 
So Judicial Watch has lawsuits in court, FOIAs. Uh, we're on top of it, the CRT agenda. We're on top of it. I mean, our republic is under assault here in Washington, D.C., and which is bad enough. It's at the border, which is bad enough. Overseas with the collapse of our national security uh, or any semblance of ra a rational national security with uh, Biden's uh, disastrous and deadly dis uh, surrender to the terrorists in Afghanistan. But the left, uh, you know, as I, as I was joking the other day to someone in the office, the commies are going to commie. And so they're going to go after our kids, and that's what they're doing in our schools. So on top of that, well, I should say, in addition, you know, we've talked about critical race theory kind of incorporates uh, racism while complaining about racism. And now it may seem outrageous to you as someone who's not a communist or not a Marxist, but it's, it makes, there's an internal logic to it. Because when you see as everyone who isn't your color as being an oppressor, you feel empowered to target them and attack them just based on the color of their skin. That's the way uh, the CRT is moving. And it leads to all sorts of outrageous and illegal activities because we have 50, 60 years of anti-discrimination laws incorporated in federal and state law and enshrined in our Constitution that go back to the days of the Civil War and to the beginning of our country and the founding of, the, the founding of our nation that require everyone to be treated uh, as individual citizens and, and not be left behind by the law. It's called the equal protection of the law. And they want to upend that. They want to provide special benefits, use uh, tax money and government to segregate people by race again. This is the left pushing it. This is left-wing racism. And they do it under the guise of anti-racism. So it's anti-racist racism. Maybe oxymoronic, but that's what they're up to. We just filed a federal civil rights lawsuit in Asheville, North Carolina, against Asheville, North Carolina, over a racist scholarship program. This is a discriminatory scholarship program. We filed the lawsuit on behalf of a North Carolina citizens group whose members include high school students who are also ineligible for this scholarship program because they're not black. The plaintiff in the lawsuit, our friends at the WNC, Western North Carolina Citizens for Equality, Inc., is suing the city of Asheville, city manager, in their official capacity, and the Asheville City Schools Foundation, and its director regarding the city's establishment of this uh, racially discriminatory scholarship program. So what happened is, earlier this year, the city of Asheville entered into an agreement with this Asheville City Foundation, the schools foundation, who established and administer a scholarship program. Uh, it's called the City of Asheville Scholarship Fund. And according to the, the agreement, it's to be awarded in perpetuity to black high school students within Asheville City Schools, with special consideration given for black students 
pursuing a career in education. So they could have said, we're giving it to disadvantaged students or economically disadvantaged students and help people who deserve to be helped. But the idea that you would only help someone using tax dollars based on their race is anathema to our system of laws. And as we argue in the lawsuit, it's a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and, the member, and a violation of our, plaintiff, our, excuse me, our clients' uh, fundamental rights to equal protection under the law and freedom from racial discrimination under the North Carolina Constitution, which explicitly outlaws discrimination on the basis of race. I mean, the donation, I think, was over nearly a half a million dollars. What was the amount here? Yeah, $474,000, tax dollars. And the city council stated it expected the funds would be used in such a way to provide the public benefit of advancing, again, this, this catchphrase, racial equity within the community. Of course, it does no such thing. It's divisive and illegal. So they're going to begin accepting applications on November 1st through the uh, January of 2022. And it looks like they started giving them out, as I said earlier this year. So we're asking the court to declare the scholarship program is uh, that it's in violation of the North Carolina Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. And it also... It's in violation of federal, federal civil rights laws. It's called the Ku Klux Klan law. So we're, we're doing civil rights litigation in North Carolina that the left is uh, to, against, I shouldn't say the left here. I, I don't even know what Asheville's politics are. But this is the sort of stuff that's being per, uh, pushed throughout the country by the radical left. It is illegal to discriminate on the basis of race. I can't, I can't believe I have to say that in this day and age. It's illegal to discriminate on the basis of race. And setting up a blacks-only scholarship is wildly in unconstitutional. And this, this is a simple lawsuit. It seeks to ensure that no, no kid in Asheville, no high school student in Asheville, is denied an educational scholarship opportunity because, because of their race. And this is why I love Judicial Watch because you know this this goes this I hope it's not going on all over the place, but I suspect it's going on in many more places. Than we care to li- care to admit to. Well, you saw this at the federal level where uh, the uh, Biden administration was trying to restrict a loan program, at least initially, to only black farmers, specifically on the basis of race. I mean, the courts threw that out in a heartbeat. So we'll see what the federal court does here. So CRT is a big issue. We're front and center on it. And um, and we do it with your support. And I encourage you to support Judicial Watch. You can support us at judicialwatch.org, judicialwatchwomore.org. And uh, if you don't support us financially, in the least, I ask you to share the information because this is highly educational and highly valuable to American citizens to know about. Because unless people know about what's going on, our uh, Constitution and our Republican form of government will continue to be at risk. So with that, I thank you, and I'll see you here next time on 
the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.